we are on the brink of a mental health crisis. And this is why I am so appreciative of the folks over at BetterHelp. They provide the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. Sign up today. Go to BetterHelp.com and use the promo code Solving Healthcare and get 10% off sign-up fees. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to Quantum podcast 99 at gmail.com reach out on facebook at quadcast or online at drquadjo.ca welcome to solving healthcare i'm quadro caramante I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in ottawa and the founder of resource optimization network we are on a mission to transform healthcare in canada I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Qualcast Nation, welcome back. We have a sensational, luscious episode with you. I brought... Joelle LaChance Ardendale into the mix. She is one of my favorite human beings. You are going to love her. She is a firecracker. A former colleague of mine I used to work with at Montfort ICU who, you know, probably out of all nurses gave me the most shit on a regular basis. But, you know, at least 2% of the time I deserved it. But, um you're going to love her story. She started off obviously in ICU and, and transitioned to home care. And her story is twofold. One, talking about the passion of prevention, talking about, you know, what we saw, what we continue to see in the intensive care unit and how, you know, being able to address people's care, care needs earlier, providing them with care at home, that prevents them from landing in an emergency room or in, or in hospital or worse off in an intensive care unit, how powerful that could be, how they be sure and uh, and the home care provides the education for the patients and their family and empowering them and really giving them dignity and some autonomy and, and what it's like to work with home care amongst nurses and, and, and PSWs and I, you know, I, I gotta say, I like, I'm in love with these these guys at Bayshore. We we did a retreat with them last year, and we we, we I was able to go up to Sudbury and give give do a talk on wellness with this group. And the fact that they prioritize the wellness of their employees and they see the value was just really inspirational. And, and the connections we made there, and we're gonna continue to collaborate. But I just wanted to to really have the chance for you to to hear from Joelle, how we landed here, how she landed here, and uh and and just once again the, the power that investing in home care can really have on the public. So without further ado, let's bring on Joelle. Quarkcast Nation, I am pretty excited to be bringing on a former colleague and somebody I've been working well with over the last few months, Joelle Lachance Artendale, Super Manager Delore at Bayshore. Uh, what's your official title? Uh, Director of Clinical Management. Though I, I assume it sounds important and and spe- spectacular. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very, very excited to be here. Oh, man. She basically, okay, so we're at the retreat in Sudbury. And basically, she looks at me and says, 
when am I going to be able to come on your podcast? When am I going to make the guest appearance? <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I mean, what do you have to say? And uh, she she made a pitch, and I was like, you know what? I think we have a show for Joel. And I, and if if it's not clear by the end of the show, you need your own show, Joel. I don't know if you uh, would agree. Actually, I know you would agree. Oh, I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> I definitely love to hear my own voice. Oh, so good. Um, okay, so w- one of the things I was really excited to talk t- uh, to you about was I don't know if people understand the power of, of providing home care services. Like, really, why, in my opinion, this is something we need to invest more in and and really how it could help shield the healthcare system shield from the, the like the further strain and emerge and and, and the, the load that we're experiencing now so maybe we could start joel with what is like you know in terms of you can even talk about bayshore specifically kind of like what kind of level of support they're providing the community how many people like what is it like working at home care oh okay so um I'm going to kind of just start that like um, I've been with Bayshore now since March of this year. Um, I am from more of an acute care setting, having worked a lot of many years of my career in hospital. Um, But even for myself, I felt a shift in where healthcare should go and I felt a shift in my career. And this is kind of what led me to home care and it led me to Bayshore and more community care um, is because of the ability to hopefully prevent and focus more on like health promotion, disease prevention, and keeping people in their homes, and that's where they feel the most comfortable, right? So our our home care, so I'm the director for three branches in the Northeast, uh, Northeastern Ontario. So I cover Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, and Timmins. Um, um, in e- each of my three branches, we have nurses and PSWs that are working 24-7, uh, around the clock, seven days a week, um, providing you know, home care, which in in some settings can be very much acute care, helping keep these uh, clients, uh, as we call them, out of the hospital system. Um, In Timmins and Sudbury, we have clinics. Uh, So we have a clinic where if you have the ability to drive, mobilize. So we we have some like really young people that are, you know, maybe had like a wound that happened accidentally, a burn uh, a fire or something like that. And they are independent. They're working. They're able to move around. They come in for 15 minutes, get a little wound check by a nurse, and then they're on their way. You know, that prevents even going to their family doctor, going to a walk-in clinic, going back to eMERGE to have things assessed. Um, so we have that. Uh, we do offer virtual capacity as well um, for home care um, clients. So like, I mean, the geography in Northern Ontario it's huge. Uh, the city of Sudbury alone covers close to 3,000 square kilometers. Um, and that's just one of my branches. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie, we go all the way to Spanish, to Elliott Lake, which is about 250 kilometers away from the city proper. And then Timmins is same thing, around 150 kilometers kind of around the circumference. So all of these are clients that can get care in their home, which truly prevents them from needing to see or go into the hospital and the type of care that they're receiving can be anywhere from like vent support somebody who's long term you know has a tracheostomy tube feeds and you know is vent ventilated overnight um to providing iv hydration post chemo uh administration and um in the community uh, wound care uh, medication administration, medication teaching, and then all personal care, including, you know, just your basic care, but it can include also like some physical exercises, range of motion. Uh, we have like, I think, close to 25 clients just in Sudbury who are on uh, mechanical lifts. So like they're still living wow. in their home, but they're mechanical lifts from, you know, their bed to their wheelchair and and whatnot. So we're... We're serving a large population with uh, increased medical needs, for sure. I mean, one of the things that I I, I can't overlook to Joelle is that we came from a same same background. We, we we were used to taking care of patients in the acute setting, but it was almost like what you were seeing. And don't let me put words in your mouth. 
what you were seeing in the acute care setting almost wanted propelled you into saying, Hey, how can we do more? How do we prevent them mm-hmm. from seeing us in an ICU? Like, this is why I get really excited about th- these things is that the work that you're describing, the wound care, the providing ventilation for people that are needing to be uh that can't breathe on their own the whether that's virtual in, in or in person is is preventing them from getting worse from getting critically ill and landing in, in acute care in, in the hospital or in an icu it so it, not enough can't be said about how valuable that is mm-hmm. I think it also lends to people wanting to be more involved in their own care. Mm. And it lends to people wanting to be more educated and taking more responsibility about their own, their own health needs. So we're seeing a lot more virtual abilities too, where we have like a, an app now uh, called the wave app. So you can actually download this app to your phone. You can see when your appointment is with the nurse you can see, um, you know, upcoming appointments. You can see like what the treatment plan is. So then you're like very involved and you also have that ability to say, you know what? Um, I want to go away, um, camping for a week and I'm going in the bush and I'm going to, you can't obviously can't come with me. So while I'm out there, can you teach me how to take care of my wound while we're out there? And then maybe when I have cell service, we can do a quick phone call to check in midweek and you know carry on so like this is allowing people to kind of take that independence with them and being able to kind of provide their own care at the same time so we do a lot of teaching to try and get them off service so that they can be independent and mobile and be able to kind of take care of themselves that's more the nursing world than the personal support world Um, but there's definitely a lot of teaching and a lot of um, independence encouraged within our our clients that's brilliant. It's like uh, it really is empowering the patient and their family, you know, mm-hmm. like and and giving them dignity too. like, you know, to be more independent. Like, I, I'm, I don't know why anybody would go in the bush, but if you're going to go in the bush and I guess spend time <laughs> well, in well, nature, the North, whatever, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, it, to be able to have that kind of uh, independence. And, 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 and uh, as I said, dignity to, to, to really kind of trying to dictate your own journey, I, I think is really important because uh, I, I know I keep bringing it back to acute care, but when you're in acute care, you, there is way less of that. There is like, there's, mm-hmm. there's le- way less ways that you can exert your independence because you're that sick. Can you give people a sense too, like, you know, in my mind, this is something that we could be investing more in, but you know, there's a lot of human resource shortages. So is this like, do you feel like we could be doing more at, at a home care level? Like, is this, is it similar to, you know, emerge where it's hard to find staff these days? I think we're actually, especially for us, uh, we just recently lifted all of our waitlist nursing capacities in Sudbury which hasn't been done in, I think, close to four years. So we're actually seeing, so we have like wait lists for clients. Um, So we cover a certain geography. So in Sudbury, I think we get about 75% of all home care clients for Bayshore because there's other agencies that also provide care. And so we cover 75%, I'll say 75% of the geography. I'll use that as an example. Um, But with our geography, our geographical areas that we cover, we do end up with wait lists at times mm-hmm. where it's like the case is too complex or they're requiring like daily visits and we don't have the capacity to offer those daily visits. So that's where the virtual will help. So if it's something that is required daily, we could say, all right, well, three days a week, we can send a nurse, but the other four, we're going to do virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, and virtual could mean over the phone. Uh, we don't have a huge, huge buy-in for like this type of virtual, like face-to-face over Zoom. Uh, Cause we do have a medical zoom uh, partnership. Um, but some of our virtual is literally just over the phone, especially with maybe our elderly clients who are not so apt with the technology. Um, so we can offer that, but our human resources for most of my three branches are pretty stable right now, but we're also seeing a very large 
influx of nurses leaving acute care to come into home and community care services wow. um, because of, you know, the experience that we've had. I mean, me being one of them, I'm I'm one of those nurses that left the hospital truly because of my own personal experience in my own wellness journey of trying to like truly understand that we're putting the money in the wrong spot. <laughs> the money is going yes. into acute care when it when they're so ill that it's kind of almost too late. You're now band-aiding that acute issue. But if we would have dealt with maybe the more education with diabetes, with a new diabetic who's scared or nervous or unsure of where to get services or a wound that happened, you know, maybe because they did burn themselves at a fire in the bush at a camp, who knows? And then now it's turned into like a big infection and now they're in the hospital. But if we could have stepped in with a little bit of home care, even in our clinic, somebody who is independent and mobile, we could have prevented so much, right? Mm. So if we're trying to push more money into home care, which, and home care is not just, like I said, applying a, 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 a wound bandage dressing, giving IVs, you could, it's a lot of education too. So we, we truly have nurses who go into homes um, just to offer up diabetic education mm. on how to give insulin, how to count carbs. Like we literally just had an education session last week for pediatric clientele with our um, our um, Neo Kids in Sudbury, which is our pediatric outpatient clinic, we had their nurses come in and educate our nurses more on counting carbs and insulin pumps for new children, uh, our new diabetes uh, within the pediatric population. Mm. So, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of our nurses hopefully looking for a change I am i don't know if they are coming to home and community care because they think maybe it's easier or they're looking for like just a total change in dynamic because with home care, there's a lot of flexibility. Like you are very independent with your schedule. Um, so as a nurse, you can flex your time. You can give availability. You can say, I'm only available from this time to this time. So we have a lot of nurses with young kids who will work, you know, nine to three so they can get their kids on the bus and get them off the bus. Like, so we when we advertise that and people are so used to that hustle and bustle, 12 hour shift hospital setting, and then they find out, Oh, I could, you know, have the ability to be with my kids morning and night. You know, we're seeing a lot more people wanting to come. And for those that have been here for this long, like I have nurses in Sault Ste. Marie, actually new Sault Ste. Marie and Sudbury that have been with the branches for 20 years mm. because they just, they, they know it, they love it and they wouldn't do it any other way. Actually, I'm learning a lot here, Joel. I, I didn't realize that there was, like, when I when I think of home care, I think that the hours, if anything, were going to be bad. Like, it, I would have thought, like, it's still 12 hours. It's, like, you know, because there's a lot of demand out there for, mm -hmm. for people to be seen at home. But I didn't realize that there's flexibility in, in there's the There's so much flexibility, actually. And... Mm we we encourage and again it, it's really hard because i don't want to highlight just nurses because our, our personal support world is just as important that world is not as flexible in the sense of being able to kind of you you can offer education but a lot of the care they're providing is because they they just truly can't do it themselves but in our nursing world our nurses are very independent to even say you know what this client needs extra visits or i'm discharging this client because now i've taught them They've done the return demonstrations. They feel comfortable with the the, the skill, and um, I'm only going to come in now once a week. Mm. So we have we have some clients that are accessing their own pick lines because they've done the skill set. So now that nurse is only that's going a, in there once a week to do the pick line IV. dressing. That's a, a yeah, an IV like a central line from uh for a central IV line to receive hydration, IV fluids, saline, whatever we want to call it. So some of these nurses, especially if um, if they're looking at like, okay, next week they want to take a couple of days off for whatever reason, they'll look at their client load and see who they can move around mm. and say, okay, while well, I'm off for those two days, yes, there will be a nurse to cover, but that nurse may be picking up extra, so won't be able to cover my full caseload. But do I have clients within my caseload that I could, you know, offer up some teaching, they can provide their own care in those two days, and then I'll see them when I'm back. So there's so much flexibility with that, um, that wow. schedule. No, that's incredible. And like a lot of autonomy, like a lot of. Very much. Yeah. You know, you're like, 
And once again, empowering the, the patient and the family, but also, you know, using your own judgment to say, I need to go more often, less often. Mm-hmm. We, we we could discharge this patient from our services or a client from the ser- our services. Like that's, that's gotta be fulfilling. It is. I mean, we still answer to our funder, which is the home community care support services in Ontario. So we do have to communicate with them directly whenever those changes happen, but they rely solely on our nurses ability to assess and be able to kind of manage that. And another important part of it too is the independence can be quite scary for somebody leaving acute care because you're used to having nurses around you. Yes, we're short. Yes, you know, we don't have the best human resources in our hospital settings, especially right now. Um, But at least, you know, there's still some nurses down the hall with you or beside you in another room. When you're out in the community, you're completely by yourself, which Mm -hmm. I think can be very overwhelming and scary for nurses that are so used to that acute care kind of institution setting, uh, whether that's nursing home, retirement home or whatnot. But in order to support them better, we have created, uh, and this is from our head office branch, uh, our head office of Bayshore, increased orientation. And that's just new in the last three, four months to try and w- what they're calling create nursing capacity. So there was funding from the government to try and um, keep the nurses that we do hire in the community because it does require a lot of training to get them ready to go. And we want to re- you know, increase nursing retention. Um, so we've actually had a, a major increase in our nursing orientation from head office, and that's national level with Bayshore. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And I, I, I just can't get past the idea, too, of, you know, really, really realizing like, that the work that with the PSWs and the, and the, and the nurses is is that huge emphasis on prevention and and really and really thinking about how that can just change the trajectory for our patients out I, I mean i would love to in some ways this might be a project for our research team of looking at how like the cost savings like the 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 the, the potential i know there's cost savings with investing in more home care and and taking that load off of acute care, not only better patient outcomes, but I would be shocked if it doesn't ultimately save the system. I mean, you and I've seen how many patients coming into ICU that definitely aren't benefiting and they're, they're you know, an average $3,000 per day, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so, yeah, like that really, that, that, that idea of addressing their needs earlier before they really need to come to acute care, I, I think is so, I can't say it enough. Well, and I think, too, to add to that, a lot of people who don't know much about home care think that the only way to get home care is like after being discharged from hospital. So you've had some type of surgery and you need, you know, wound care, post-op, seven days, whatever. And then we send a a referral to home and community care. They send it to the Bayshore branch and say, okay, this guy needs wound care for seven days. Cool. That's not how, that's not the, that's not the only way. Like, um, you could have a client who has a, a, you know, maybe a client itself, himself, him or herself, or also a family member who brings in that client to a family doctor. And that's why like that preventative medicine is so important that you see a regular care provider, whether it's a nurse practitioner or a physician, a family doctor, a family health team, whatever they are regularly to help you know, gauge where they're at in their trajectory of life, right? And so if we can allow, you know, or we can get home care services sooner, you know, you don't have to go to hospital, you can go see your family doctor and your family doctor says, oh, yeah, you know what, things are looking a little tough here. What can we do in the home to support? Well, they can send that order off for home care. The home and community care will have a team of specialized, um, you know, whether it's uh, OTPT, nursing, dietitian, wound specialists can check out this client and say, okay, Bayshore, this person now needs, you know, maybe not necessarily some wound care, so they don't have a wound, but maybe some personal support care. Let's do some IV hydration because they're a little bit dehydrated, not eating all that great. Let's do some medication teaching, but also teaching with the family, right? We know, we know that family provides care. We know that family members become caregivers and usually without any training or education, but home care also helps that. 
because it's not perfect, right? I mean, obviously I'm here trying to sell home care as this beautiful thing and it is, but it we're not a perfect solution either. Um, we definitely have uh, missed care ability because we don't have all the staff. Our geography is huge, but that's where kind of offering the education to the family, offering training and supporting them, and also always having kind of um, a backup plan with that family. That is the one thing that we assess right away with our consent is that like, if this does not happen, if our nurse cannot come in today, if our PSW cannot come in today, what is the backup plan for this client? Some clients is an absolute emergency. Like if they don't receive care, they could end up needing hospital care. But a lot of times it can be, well, you know, the the spouse can help the child who lives a couple doors down or whatever the situation is, especially for some of our clients who are, I mentioned like mechanical lifts and mechanical lifts require two people. A lot of times the backup person will be the family member to help out if we can't have two PSWs or two nurses come into the home at the same time. So there's some magic to play with that of getting schedules to match beautifully, which is not always the easiest task, but we always have that conversation with the family and it, and it and allows them to feel um, like valued, right? Like they, they know that they're there. They know that they're supposed to provide care to their family, but if we actually teach them, you know, how to do things properly and they feel more independent and more like they're able to do things for their loved one, I think that's kind of a beautiful thing that adds to what home care should be like because you're receiving care in your home and it, whether it's from a, a registered or unregistered healthcare provider or your family member, the care should be, you know, quality at the end of the day. So. Amen. I, I like how you put that too. Like just feeling like having a family member involved, just making them feel, making them feel a value because they are mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is like, this is you're in their home. They're they we're taking care of their loved one. Like that is like their and, their and we've, is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And we've actually heard stories, Bayshore itself, where family members provided care to a loved one who, you know, ended up palliative and passing away due to some terminal illness or whatever. And then they we find out that they've decided to go back to school because they actually you know, not that they enjoyed providing care to their family member who was passing away, but it kind of sparked something in them. And they were like, oh, you know, maybe I want to do this. So then they go to school to become a PSW or they become a, go to school to become like a, a developmental service worker or even going into school for nursing. Mm-hmm. And then you find out their story and they said, you came to my home, Bayshore came to my home and, per- and helped me provide care to my loved one. And it sparked something in me. Like actually the person who was in my role before, that's how she became a Bayshore employee was her grandfather was passing away and Bayshore nurses were in there providing end of life care. And she was a nurse at the time, but she was working in acute care and she didn't know much about Bayshore. And she said, oh my God, this is amazing. Wow. And went to Bayshore. Wow. And and I can imagine too, like the connections you guys must make with your clients and their families must be so, so strong. I have, I have never seen or met nurses more territorial in my life. (laughs) (laughs) They, They are like possessive, but in a good way, because they truly like when they go on holidays, they worry, which I mean, leans into the wellness aspect of being able to truly disconnect from work, which is something I will always encourage. But I have seen many of my staff who have an out of office out and I send them an email, but I know it's cause you know, I'm like, it's, there's no rush for it. And all of a sudden I get in a response and I said, uh, uh, aren't you off today? And Oh uh, yeah. And then nurses who are checking in with their clients on their holidays, you know, they go, they go away for two weeks, but they might call them at home and say, Hey, how are you doing? Which is nice. Cause the clients feel very valued. But at the same time, I'm like, Hey guys, like, let's try and disconnect here. But yes, very, very, um, very dedicated to their clients and feel like there are, they are their clients. <laughs> well, I mean, I can imagine if I had a sick one and I'm seeing the same face every couple of days or connecting mm-hmm. with them. That's that person's part of my family. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, yeah. Especially, you know, during a vulnerable, vulnerable time that 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 person, especially 
you know, if uh, we get along, like that's that that person's part of the fam. They're they're getting some supper every once in a while. They're gonna get coffee. They they're gonna be treated mm-hmm. well. Yeah, you know. yeah. But um, I think I mean you mentioned wellness because I think this is something we we'd be remiss not to talk about too, because this is how we also got connected recently, Joella. So Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable, like what about your own personal wellness journey journey? Because once again, you, your story, I think is similar to many staff working in acute care in terms Mm -hmm. of why they're, we've seen a lot of people leaving. And so what led you specifically to land with Bayshore? Um, so I think one of the biggest things for me is that I always, I always knew throughout my career that I would want to work somewhere outside of the hospital. I always loved working in the hospital. Um, I had a, I had a career goal of becoming a professor with our university, our local university here in Sudbury. Um, our local university had some monetary issues in the last two years. So I started to kind of lean towards what do I do now? I knew that I was starting to lose that passion and love for critical care. Um, I still very much love the uh, medical side of things and like learning the pathophysiology of disease. I'm a true cardiac nurse for the rest of my life. I will be. Um, But I knew that I, I was starting to fade and starting to fade quickly in knowing and looking at my ICU patients and saying, I can't do this anymore. And, and, and truthfully, uh, there was some that I was looking at thinking, if you had just had more support in the home, if you had just had more education about your disease, if you had the ability to receive the medication that you can't afford to take care of your problem, your healthcare issue, whatever disease you were diagnosed with, whether it's diabetes, hypertension, whatnot, maybe you wouldn't be here right now in this ICU for us trying to save your life when at the end of the day, we're saving your life acutely in the moment, but those chronic issues are still there and you're going to hopefully go home weaker, more at risk and still with no support or hopefully maybe a little bit more anyways for myself, especially COVID made a huge difference for me because at the beginning, especially, you know, um, the only thing that we had out there to hopefully not get super sick from COVID was to try and take care of yourself in the best way, shape possible. You know, if you had hypertension or diabetes that you made sure it was under control. If you were overweight, overweight, you tried to eat better, lose weight, exercise more. And it was all, that's all we had. There was no medicine. There was no vaccine. There was nothing. So that for me hit home like like a ton of bricks because I thought, Okay, so if I'm overweight, morbidly obese, you know, on the verge of diabetes, and I get COVID, this could knock me right out. So that was really, really tough. So it kind of hit me where I started to look at what I could do for myself to prevent that. And I think at the end of the day, if you're going to do, if you're going to focus on your wellness, physically and mentally, we're going to prevent that hospital admission. We're going to prevent that like slide into emerge where you could, you know, need acute care. But if you would have, you know, provided yourself with more self care, you wouldn't need that acute care. So I think that's what, that's one of the things that led me to really wanting out of the hospital setting. Um, I was finding it very toxic. Uh, The environment was really, really tough. Um, I mean, there was a lot of kind of hoopla of we were the the warriors and the heroes and all of these things. And, and, and the nurses weren't being compensated properly. You know, they wanted us to take care of ourselves, but then would easily say overtime, 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 like come to work. And, and I was finally in a, in a comfortable setting in my life where I truly didn't want to work. And I actually remember crying laying down in my bed beside my husband and saying, I'm done. Like I'm about to go on a sick leave. And he's like, if you have to do it. And I actually reached out to my friend at Bayshore and I said to him, I'm going to do home care. And that's what I said to my husband. Cause I said, I, my priorities at that time, this was almost a year ago now was being at home, wanting to spend time with my husband, wanting to be near my dog, 
who needs like major, she's got social anxiety issues. So she needs support. And I thought if I can do home care and flex my own schedule, provide care in my own community, I'll be close. I'll be close to home and I'll do that. So I reached out to my friend who was actually in my position and said, I'm going to come work in home care. After years and years and years of her trying to recruit me and me always saying no, I finally said, I'm going to come and work for you. And she said, I'm about to leave my position and they're going to post it. Would you be interested in that? And I'm like, no, not at all. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to do management. But then she, you know, she kind of chatted with me about it and, and some of the offerings. So, you know, I applied and I interviewed and I went through all the, the rigmarole and, and then finally got here. And honestly, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made because one of the first things that me and my boss talked about after like my one month of training and all of that, and kind of, I was running a little bit more independently. She said, we want to provide a wellness services to our staff. Is there something you could do? And, um, one of my friends, well, one of my colleagues talked about like the apps like Beachbody or Noom or whatever. And I said, Oh no, 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 no. I've got one better. (laughs) I said, I got a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy out in Ottawa. I said, who is providing wellness services geared to healthcare providers. And that is my biggest thing is being able to provide services that are very much focused to truly understanding what we see and do every day. And I think that that's been the biggest like woohoo moment for me was like, we need people who understand what we're doing. Like me coming home and talking to my husband about so-and-so who died and this person who went into cardiac arrest and this person who crashed and like, he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. He doesn't get it. And I can talk to my friends who I work with all day long, but they're there too. They're tired of hearing it. We don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. We want to, we want to, if we want to talk to somebody, we want to talk to somebody who understands, but isn't there living it with us and can hopefully help support our our needs. And that's, sorry, that was a very long winded answer to kind of say, this is where I'm at. (laughs) No, but it is, this is, that was perfect, Joel, because it really illustrated like what, like how far you came, like what what you went through in terms of, you know, the, the, what, what you saw in acute care and how, I mean, it, it gets old. I'll be honest with you. Like when you, you're trying to, you're seeing people and unfortunately a lot of the things that we see, they, they're they going to come back with the same issue months later. Like uh-huh. there's the exceptions, obviously the traumas and so forth, but the, you know, COPDs, the heart failures, like failure to thrive. Those, those are coming back, unfortunately. And, and, you know, it, having the, and then, obviously the, the the huge strain during the pandemic to to try and keep up like to, to try and make, mm-hmm. do the overtime and all these things like your story like when like i could i could collectively hear as this episode airs a bunch of nurses psws physios that are just going like this as they're list like nodding their heads as they're, they're listening to it and and I, yeah i mean this is i mean this is why we did the solvent wellness platform in general as you said just like we understand the uniqueness of cats that are in that are dealing with uh, healthcare mm-hmm. issues. Because I mean, I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak personally. You feel this huge stress when you say no. Like when you say you gotta yeah. like you know when you want to try and take care of yourself or prioritize yourself. You're like, oh man, what am I doing to my colleagues? What am I doing to the patients and all that stuff? Whereas we need we needed to make a paradigm shift and say that. For us to be our best selves, we need to prioritize ourselves. You know, yeah. like it's okay to 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 have a day off. It's okay to be with my family and my dog and little JoJo and just making sure that they're they're okay. Because that is how I'm going to be that much better next time I'm I, I take the next swing at the bat. So yeah, yeah. It, I can. What you said there, Joel was was just perfect and like in full honesty too because i'm sure people will listen to this that i've worked with in our icu in sudbury i never actually worked in the covid icu Mm. um so a lot of and i've heard people say well you know and even my family members would say well have you taken care of a covid patient and i have a couple of times but um and so i never actually had the the covid patient but what we truly saw in the major change in healthcare 
was this like our at least in our ICU is a, is was a divide. So we technically have like two sides to our ICU, and one was med surge, one was cardiac um, or cardiovascular thoracic. And what we did is we split literally COVID and then everything else. So all the things that like I was never used to taking care of or trained properly to take care of was thrown on us because COVID went to the other side and we took everything surgical. Mm. So that added like work stress, professional boundaries being crossed, like, and, and no time for training because priority was protecting ourselves from COVID and, uh, you know, protected code blues and enhanced precautions and all of these things. There was no training. So like I was getting fresh craniotomies with who just had, you know, a brain tumor removed and that's never been in my wheelhouse of skill sets. Pediatric clients, we never took pediatric clients uh, or patients on the cardiovascular thoracic side. But now if somebody needed peds, we don't have like a peds ICU inside Brie, but if they needed ICU and they were a pediatric, they were coming to the quote unquote clean side. So that was like super, super stressful for me as somebody who thrives on providing the best quality educated based research based care because like i said i'm a true blue cardiac nurse and i can rhyme off cardiac diseases all day long but you give me a neuro uh pediatric or like a big gi gastrointestinal case that i'm not comfortable with it was like run with it and go and mm. like there was no saying no there was not saying i need training for this it was go and then you know, when the pandemic first hit and they slowed all the surgical cases down, like our ICU was pretty chill Mm -hmm. for like a moment, (laughs) not long though, but for a moment. And then as soon as the surgical cases got, you know, got vamped back up, we we ran and ran and ran. And I like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Um, And, and, and now you're seeing a huge decrease in, and uh, trained like senior staff staying mm. like I could I could rhyme off a list of staff that have left our ICU in the last year and I'd say it's probably a good 25 to 30 senior nurses like some with 20 25 years and I'm talking like nurses that are leaving for anything no. like that have gone to psychiatric units have gone to we have an addictions medical unit in Sudbury now they're going to anything like they, they truly are like, whatever's open. That's not the ICU anymore. I'm out. Yeah. No, that's, so, and it's, it's everywhere. Like it really yeah. is. And and this is why we, we want to address it. And this is why we, we want to be almost, I don't even know prevention prevention is the right word anymore because it's such a hard, such a ingrained problem, but really to avoid that stage of burnout. We this is why we've mm-hmm. been trying to cover the stuff that we're covering. And um I must say too, I, I really appreciate what Bayshore and yourself have you guys have just been a, like almost like a role model in, in in so many ways of prioritizing wellness. Like it, it was great to like we got to do a retreat with you guys, a virtual virtual retreat, our first one and I I mean I'm biased here, but I, I felt like it was awesome. It was great to see everybody. We, we, we had a great we had a great time. We had a it was awesome. I did a workout yeah. in my dress in my office. Never sweat so much in my life. Yeah, Pete Pete had us moving, and then uh, and then yeah, it was great to to meet you guys finally up in Sudbury. My first time up north or whatever is a west or northwest. North. I don't even know where I was. Yeah, honestly. But I made it. You made it. You yeah. survived. You survived the North. Um, mm-hmm. Just and, and talking about wellness, but also like kind of going a little bit back to what I said, um, I think highlighting the issues that we see in the acute care setting will actually help to link what I'm talking about with home care. And if we have patients that are listening to this podcast and say, hey, man, um, maybe I do want some of that little Bayshore home care support so that I don't have to go to this hospital where I know that the healthcare system is overburdened and they don't have the staff. So if I can get maybe some home care, because like I said, our human resources right now are pretty okay. Um, and, and maybe it's a good time for that patient who's maybe listening to the podcast today to reach out to their family healthcare provider and say, you know what, if I 
when I feel the need, what can I get or what can you offer? And um, what can help prevent me from going to that emerge? Because nobody wants to go to emerge. Like, not truly. now, not, not ever, now, but not, now. not ever, Especially but not now. now. Yeah. yeah, it's 19 hours later. Um, yeah. That's a really good point. Actually, a really good take home. Uh, Joel is, uh, you know, let people like empower the folks and say you can reach out to your fam dog and get help because uh, mm-hmm. help is there. Uh, any other points that you, you, you want to make before we close up? Like just, you know, like uh, this has been really awesome, you know, in terms of highlighting the power of, of, of home care. Uh, we talked about wellness or what the, like any other, any other uh, messages that you, you, you want to close out with? Um, I, I guess maybe just talk, uh, touching about, um, you know, offering the, the solving well, wellness services to our staff and really um, encouraging other businesses out there um, in healthcare or even focusing on kind of bringing it more to a national level, um, that if you have the ability to, you know, put some money into your wellness of your staff, um, that's going to help prevent that burnout and stress and the high anxiety situations that our healthcare providers are facing daily, mm. whether that's home care, acute care, community care, critical care, emergency care, whatever we're calling it, whatever term you want to use, um, all of our healthcare providers are facing really tough things all the time. And I, I truly go back to, and I think I've asked you this question before, but for myself, even for a nurse, when I go back to my nursing education, there wasn't one course that ever offered, how do you take care of yourself to make sure you can take care of others? And I think if you went back to medical school and thought about what they offer for that, it's not there. It's still not there. That is one of my highest priorities with being, uh, you know, still an educator with our university part-time and working full-time with Bayshore is anytime I have an opportunity to talk about what can you do to prevent burnout, stress, and high anxiety working in that in high, high stress environment, um, let's do it because you are only one person and, and everybody forgets that we're also going to be patients one day right? Like I actually just had this conversation with my students last week where I said to them, like, we are all going to be patients one day. So if I can stress wellness now and prevention now and health promotion now, you know what? It'd be lovely to see our funding shift completely, right? You know, shift all 80% of healthcare funding to community and home care and health prevention and our health promotion, disease prevention, we would be able to see our our hospital system start to breathe again because right now they're not. And so if we take care of ourselves and we prevent our own health issues, we're going to prevent our own admissions to hospital. You know, it's that's the message I have. <laughs> Amen. Hey, you know, we've been talking about this a long time. You know, if, if prevention takes investment and uh, it just needs to be prioritized. And so that was really well put. And I, I will say one last thing too, about just to answer with you guys, like that, that trip up to, to Bayshore and, uh, and to uh, Sudbury and seeing and getting to interact with you guys. And we gave a, a quick talk there, but just, I don't know. It, it was that connection and just seeing how, just acknowledging to folks that, you know, the, the, the wellness matters and, and, and their struggles are real and, and they, mm-hmm. they're valid and, 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 and it's a, how important it is just to be seen was really rewarding. I got to say like that interaction, that, that evening slash night that we all mm-hmm. got together, that, that was really rewarding. And I hope, you know, it's a small little thing, but I hope it, it helps uh, the overall picture with you guys. So it was, it was, just to say it was it was really rewarding for me to be able to connect with you guys and and the the feedback we got back from that too was especially that one PSW that we we know made you blush um <laughs> the fa- the fact that she one of the first things she said was it is so nice to hear a doctor talk about all healthcare providers right it's not just about nurses it's not just about physicians it's about everybody it's about that whole interdisciplinary multi-collaboration team because we're all in this together Mm. and i think my final takeaway from this is that this is not a covid thing this is not a pandemic thing 
we see the worst of the worst. And I truly, after years of working in ICU, I don't even know how my brain got to a point where it just became normal because it shouldn't be normal. The stuff we see increases stress, anxiety, like just crazy things that we're seeing. COVID just highlighted for once that, oh my God, we really are seeing the worst of the worst. And why why is it only now are we you know, being able to highlight that burnout is real. Mm. You know, it's no longer taboo. So I don't want anybody to take away from this and say, oh, it's another COVID thing. It's not. It's just finally now we really need to invest because people are done and people are leaving the career altogether. They are leaving healthcare. They would rather go do anything else than do this. So if we can save our people who are highly trained, highly educated, just experts in their field. If we can keep them here by supporting their wellness, then like you said, amen. Amen. Joel, this is, I mean, I I got nothing else to add. Like that's just just it. That is it, folks. So thank you, Joel, for agreeing to do this. I should agree. Do you really want you really wanted to do this but we won't we won't call it agreeing i mean i forced it but i'm very happy to be here Uh, this was awesome and uh thank you so much thank you so much for having me and i uh look forward to continue working with you in the future yeah 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 quadcast nation tell me you didn't enjoy that preciousness Leave any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter at Quadcast. Leave that box already. You know you got to. You know you got to. Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Solvingwellness.com. As you heard Joel say, we're trying to change that boogie. Provide love for the healthcare providers, whether it's a retreat, whether it's our our app. Check it out, solvingwellness.com. And Guys, hug your loved ones for no particular reason. Let people know how much you love you, they mean to you. I'm gonna end off on a note like that today. All right, peace. <laughs>